Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Lock.NHL. He also writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, welcome to training camp. We made it finally. Football is back. I'm just, I'm drinking it in. I'm loving all of the uh, updates we're getting out of camp. A uh, huge thank you to everybody who is boots on the ground there, um, calling out what they're seeing on the field. I'm just, I'm loving it. How about you? Uh, I, it is so good to have football back. It isn't funny. And I am just looking forward to preseason football and, you know, mm-hmm. just, daily reports about what's going on around this team. Yeah. One daily report that's kind of interesting is we're kind of just only hearing good news about Jordan love. That's kind of a, a new development, basically all of last year. And then even I would say during OTAs this year, it kind of felt like for every one positive thing you'd hear about Jordan love, there were two negatives. And I, don't think I've seen any negatives uh, so far through two days of training camp. Have you? I mean, it's it's just a lot of like, oh man, this this play looked really crisp. Uh, you know, good read by Jordan Love here. Uh, you know, had to throw across his body, falling away, uh, bulleted the ball down the field to Mario Rogers really hard, the way Matt Lafleur has been begging him to do since he got here. Like, it's all it's all encouraging for once, and I I don't know how to feel about that. Well, not I'm used just- to it. Yeah, just sit back and enjoy the ride, I guess. I mean, it's encouraging (laughs) to see, you know, there's always been a few things that people have been concerned about when it comes to Jordan Love. It started off with the footwork and, uh, you know, the mechanics. But I think you're also, you've been talking about the attitude, that he needs to have a little more faith, a little more confidence in himself. Uh, Needs to wing it is what I heard them say, the coaching staff, so many times when it came to Jordan Love so far. And yeah, it's two days. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, everything is perfect. Jordan Love is the the next, you know, the second coming. But at least he appears to be winging it and he appears to have more velocity on his throws, more confidence in his throws. And that is a very encouraging sign. Let's talk about a couple of roster changes that have been made. First of all, since we talked last, Eli Wolf was released. Um, actually, you know what? There's some uh, there's some other changes we have to talk about that aren't necessarily just players. Well, we'll touch on that in a minute, but some staffing stuff that has occurred since our last yeah. episode. Um, Eli Wolf is gone. Linebacker. Um, so we've been calling him Khalif Bryce on this podcast. Apparently the pr- correct pronunciation is, uh, I think it's uh, K- uh, Callop, Callop Price or, or Caleb Price. But anyways, a little bit different. And, uh, and and he's gone. We don't need to mess up his name anymore. <laughs> Another guy, man, I have struggled to say this guy's name on this show since we picked him up in under after free agency. Defensive lineman. Hawadi Pututau. I never have to butcher his name ever again. Yes, he's gone also. So, you know, it's one of those where like, man, I really wish him well. And, um, you know, I'm not like happy that he got cut because I disliked him. But I'm not going to miss feeling silly when I know I'm saying his name wrong. So um, good luck to him. Uh, I was disappointed to see safety Trey Sterling out of Oklahoma State is gone as well. That was a guy that I was, I mean, you remember how fired up I got when we were digging into his uh, draft profile, talking about strength and body type. And man, I just thought that 
I thought that there might be a chance for him to be really special and he may still be, but it won't be for the Packers. And Raleigh Texada, the cornerback, is also out of here. We got yep. a few new guys, though. Center Ty Clary. Uh, I, I, you know what? Instead of just listing these, all, these guys all off one by one, let's go ahead and um, actually cover each guy kind of individually and, and, and what, what we're supposed to know um, about them. So Ty, Ty Clary is a um, center. I'm pulling up. Paul Brettel does a fantastic job. If you're not following him on Twitter, you should be. He does a fantastic job just tweeting out little bits of info about all these guys that we bring in. So Ty Clary, six foot four, two hundred ninety nine pounds. He's a 2022 undrafted free agent from Arkansas. Yep. Um, he gave up three sacks and twelve pressures in his career. It looks like. Um, which is 408 pass blocking snaps. Um, and he also, let's see here, 683 snaps at right guard in college, 1,433 at center, uh, which it, he's listed as a center guard. And then he did, does have a little bit of experience at right tackle, 250 snaps there. And a little at left guard as well. The only thing he didn't touch was left tackle, I guess. I guess. Which we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna spend a decent amount of time talking about left tackle um, over the course of this episode. The ne- next guy we added was wide receiver Osiris Mitchell. He's a former USFL wide receiver, and I can't type Osiris to save my life. I kept typing Osiris. <laughs> So he's a uh, big I, guy, 6'5", 206, pretty, pretty tall guy out of Mississippi State. He's a 2021 undrafted free agent. Yeah. So um, USFL, he also logged some time. Actually, I think his first. Is this the correct guy that I'm thinking of? His first um, team he played for at all was in the AAF. Is that correct? Or was it the other guy we signed? Uh, doesn't I don't see that here uh, in my notes. I know he was on the Cowboys practice squad last year and with the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL this year, 23 catches for 333 yards and three touchdowns in 10 games. Yeah, he had uh, 13 yards per catch um, at Mississippi State, 64% complete uh, uh, reception percentage. Pretty good. Um and then uh, the other wide receiver, this is the guy I was thinking about. Uh, we signed wide receiver Ishmael Hyman today, uh, yesterday. Right. 20, of course, we're recording this Thursday. So we signed him Wednesday. All right. Look, give us some grace. All right. <laughs> 2018 undrafted free agent out of, uh, out of Kansas. He is the guy who was first signed by the AAF's Orlando Apollos. Yep. And did well enough there to earn a roster spot with the Browns. He didn't get any playing time until he got signed by the Buccaneers. Um, and then he was a Carolina Panther briefly. Then, most recently, he was a Michigan Panther in the USFL. Now he gets another shot in the NFL with the Packers. Six foot, 196 pounds, ran a four, four, five, forty. The bottom of the depth, the uh, bottom of the roster um is getting pretty stacked with wide receivers um you got uh i mean if you're you're just looking at the the new guys that we have in this year um not counting anybody that we drafted uh you got danny davis ishmael hyman and osiris mitchell are all new guys here who were not drafted who are going to be competing for a roster spot and i on, on the one hand it feels like a long impossible road ahead of them to make it to the 53, just because there's so many guys ahead of them. But also I'm not sure that um, there's been a ton of separation yet between the uh, sort of middle of the pack receivers here that we're sort of assuming make the roster, but not necessarily locks. I, I think that there's, there's uh, just a lot of room for competition here. And you know, some of these guys, are going to get looks as uh, returners on special teams. Um, 
I think if anybody's a little bit uh, taller and and stockier, they're maybe going to have an edge as a uh, you know gunner blocker on special teams as well. It should be interesting to see you know what kind of chance some of these guys get. It, it's a crowded room, and I I'm a little surprised that they're going all out to get some receivers. You know, part of it could be you have your injuries right now to uh, you know. Uh, a couple of guys, Watkins and, and Watson, and they they need some bodies to run some reps. I think that's part of it as well. Yeah, uh, we also brought in a couple of DBs. First of all, safety Dallin Levitt. Um, he is a uh, 2018 undrafted free agent who most recently was with the Raiders, um, worked under Bisaccia and actually led uh, the Raiders in special teams tackles last year. He logged 854 special teams snaps total, which is stunning. He had 25 tackles, 14. Um, I don't know what the heck that's supposed to be. It says 14 comp. I don't know what that is on special teams, like completions, but yeah, that may, Oh, you know, know what? You know, that's his, that's his, uh, he allowed 14 completions on defense as a ah, okay. Got it. It's 14 completions on 20 targets. Um, he has, has kind of been singing the praises of Rich Bisaccia. And this is just a, a another really clear indicator that Bisaccia has like massive influence over the roster right now. He uh, had Goody bring in Dallin Levitt. He had him bring in Keyshawn Nixon, who, by the way, is uh, on the non-football injury list. And then also Pat O'Donnell, we know, is a guy that he was bragging about man, you know, I really wanted the Raiders to bring him in and they wouldn't, you know, but now here in green Bay, uh, the, you know, the GM is listening to me and, and bringing in Pat and I'm excited to see what we can do with him. So, and uh, then you got to add some of the late round draft picks who he like Tariq Carpenter, I think. And, and, uh, he, he was definitely someone who Basaccio wanted in, uh, as was Jonathan Ford, uh, according to my understanding. So, Basaccia has definitely had some influence over roster moves. And to me, the important part about that is that the team is at least on the surface. It appears they are prioritizing special teams a little bit more than they have in recent years. Well, Matt LaFleur said that in his meetings um, that he's had with Basaccia, he's learned more about special teams than he ever has in his life, which you knew that was going to happen when you bring in a guy who's been coaching special teams since 1983, when you were a young man of just, you know, 50, 60 years old, <laughs> um, a, a guy who's been around this long, just coaching special teams, you know, that he's forgotten more than most coaches are ever going to learn. Right. And the education he can provide to the rest of our coaching staff is going to be absolutely invaluable it, it just seems like not only has special teams never been much of a priority in green bay which you know has been borne out in the uh in the play on the field but also it, it has felt like there is a lack of understanding and knowledge about special teams just in, in green bay in general with the coaching staff with the players a lot of guys just don't seem to know what the heck they're doing uh, i remember uh, what two years ago, um, when uh, what's the Sean Menengo was still here? That when we played the Eagles, uh, we had Coach Hahn on, and he was talking about how the Eagles were out scheming Sean Menenga on special teams, and that was kind of one of the first times that we had really talked about that very much, and that like that was a thing that like a, a opposing special teams coordinator was out scheming the Packers and just you know, playing them for fools. And then unfortunately, you know, for a lot of last year, anytime they went up against a halfway competent special teams coordinator, you were seeing that every single week. And that was frustrating. Frustrating isn't the word. It, it really went a long way to costing the Packers, the playoff game against the 49ers, which we've discussed several times on the show. So, you know, Packers. definitely go ahead. No, no, I'm changing topics. Finish. <laughs> 
No, just definitely long overdue, and hopefully it will make a difference for this team because we need it. So the Packers also brought in cornerback Dante Vaughn. He's a 2020 undrafted free agent uh, who played at Notre Dame. And so far, he has never played an NFL snap. Um, he was a corner at Notre Dame who uh, was, I, I thought, decently productive. He was targeted 72 times, but only gave up 56% um, of those. Uh, he did allow 11.2 yards per reception, which, you know, not awful, but not fantastic. He had eight pa pass breakups and an interception, and he was a boundary corner. And for all of his defensive snaps, he, di he didn't really play very much on the special team. So I'm not positive what the angle is here that they're looking for. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned his size already. He's kind of a big guy, six foot three, 211 pounds, built a little bit more like a receiver than a cornerback. But, you know, one thing when you look at the Packers roster, you know, look at the uh, corners that they have, although we like our corners a heck of a lot, they're kind of smaller guys. By far the biggest guy in that room is um, Rasul Douglas at six foot two, 209 pounds. Dante Vaughn is a little bit bigger. Uh, he's a little heavier, a little bit taller. Um, you, Jair is five foot ten. Um, KB on Ento, who I'm not sure at this point is even going to make the roster, six foot one. Rico Gafford, the new addition who um, switched to wide receiver for a time and is a cornerback again, five ten. Shamar Jean Charles, five ten. Keyshawn Nixon, five ten. Eric Stokes is six foot. You know, but we used to have Kevin King in this room. Exactly. And he was the guy who could take away those monster-sized wide receivers. Kevin I, King was 6'3", 200. Mm -hmm. And this, this, the body type is just very similar. But is he going to actually crack the roster? He's, well, he's never had, never played an NFL snap. I, I, I kind of see what they're doing, bringing him in. And it's nice to have another guy who's a pure boundary corner. But I don't know, uh, this kind of signing, you usually would expect more of a special teamer. And he doesn't seem much like a special teamer to me. So just interesting. Um, I'm always trying to get in the head of Goody, figure out what the heck he's doing. Um, it's, it's interesting to me. Uh, offensive line, though, and wide receiver are the two biggest topics in training camp. Man, it's really interesting. We got to have a David Bakhtiari conversation. Maybe we start with that. Uh, just talk about what's going on. So, Bakhtiari is on the pup list, but we got a chance to hear from Goody and Lafleur and Bakhtiari all. Sounds like, per Goody and Bakhtiari, the ACL is fully healed. That's not the issue anymore. <clears throat> Bakhtiari even said that the ACL has been taken care of for a long time is what he said. Mm -hmm. He said, so we know that he had a, a second procedure done. Uh, what was it in the fall? This is like, uh, I don't know, like roughly around like week 12, something like that. Is that ring a bell? And then yep. we just recently learned uh, in the last day or two, he had a third procedure done uh, back uh, during OTAs. So they brought him in. Um, apparently determined that there was some more cleanup work that needed to be done in his knee. Bakhtiari was talking about how he's feeling and he was very adamant that number one, um, he feels better right now than he has at any point in his recovery. And that for the first time since the injury, he's starting to feel normal, um, on his knee, but he also described, the recovery as like his personal hell that he's stuck in <laughs> didn't like hearing that. Um, and, but Goody was talking about the whole thing and, and made no bones about it that he's like, we, there is zero concern for us right now about whether there's a possibility that Bakhtiari's career could be over. Like that's, that's not something that we are nervous about. We feel very um, sure and comfortable that he's going to be back at some point. And we think he's going to be able to play for five or six more years. Uh, that was uh, Rogers who, who made the five or six years comment. Um, 
you know, the, we, we think he's going to be wanting to play for another five or six years here. So we are not in any hurry to rush him back for an extra few weeks of uh, practice or whatever. Um, when we're not a hundred percent confident in this knee because we're, we're looking big picture long-term here for us. We're, we're not really concerned about week one, 2022. We're much more concerned about uh, years to come, uh, even the, the uh, playoffs for this season, that kind of thing. So are we going to see Bakhtiari week one? My gut says no, but there was an update uh, today, Thursday, the Packers put Zach Tom out at left tackle, which makes sense. We've talked about Zach Tom a ton as like, um, you know, he had a lot of experience at left tackle at Wake Forest, a lot of experience at center. He makes sense to be one of your backup centers. Um, and then, you know, in terms of uh, play on the left or the right side, if you're going to stick him in a guard spot, it makes way more sense to play him at left guard. He just, his play style and his build screams left guard way more than right guard. But I'm not so sure that this is a Zach Tom update as much as it is maybe a right tackle update or I'm uh, sorry, um, Bakhtiari slash Elton Jenkins update because Yash Nyman seems to be higher up the depth chart at, at any position than Zach Tom right now. And Yash Nyman has pre, uh, so far this week has been the left tackle. Well, they put Zach Tom out there and slid Yash Nyman over to right tackle. And I'm not sure that that's the exact order that it happened on happened. in. I think that they maybe slid Yash Nyman over to right tackle first and said, let's throw Zach at left tackle here because we want Yash to keep getting right tackle snaps like he was getting in OTAs at minicamp and all that. Uh, because maybe we don't need Yash to be our starting left tackle anymore. Well, we'll see. Uh, I, I think, you know, Matt LaFleur basically said this is going to be a process. He wants to get a look at a lot of different people in a lot of different places. And I think, you know, Yash, as far as I know, at, at least in a game situation, has not played right tackle. So they at least want to see what he could do. They know what he could do at left tackle. And I, I think that they need to prepare him to yes. possibly play on either side. Well, uh, yeah, but but what we what we saw, re- turn back the clock a little bit. Re- remember, um, at minicamp when Rogers showed up, you saw very clearly when Rogers was out there, Yash was the right tackle, and then they were putting in like just anybody at left tackle. Like it, it really didn't matter. It was, uh, it it didn't seem like the guys they were sticking at left tackle were there for a reason. Whereas Yash was always at right tackle when Rogers was on the field. Then when love was on the field, then they'd experiment with some right tackle stuff. And then Yash would slide, slide over to left tackle. To me that that paints a very clear picture. Your number one offense features Yash at right tackle. That, that that's what that says to me. And he has gotten a lot of looks there at right tackle this year. Uh, not, not prior to this year, but this year. And that seems to be where they have put the majority of their efforts, trying to get him coached up, trying to get him uh, ready to go. And then left tackle. uh, When, when you're running the number one offense right now, it's, it kind of seems like they're sticking just different random guys there again, feeling stuff out. And, And I think it'll be interesting to go through each of the five offensive line spots and kind of feel out what we think the current depth chart is at each of these spots. We know there's a massive uh, competition at right tackle. I mean, half the offensive linemen on the roster are competing for the starting right tackle job. Yeah. And, and we also know that as long as both Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari are not available, that, there is no player on this roster that has more than one year starting experience in this league. Um, was it, didn't John Runyon start one year, two years ago, two years no. ago? No, no, he did not. He started not, not week one, but, but wasn't he a starter by the end of, of uh, the 2020 season? 
No, I'm, I don't believe so. I'll, I'll double check that. But uh, he started 16 games last year. And that is kind of wild. He did not start any games in 2020. He played in all six in all 16, but did not start. So he has 16 starts in his career. Uh, mm-hmm. So does Royce Newman. Josh Myers has five Four plus a playoff game or six. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. Uh, as far as uh, starting experience is concerned of the available players. Did you, I, I may have been looking, looking ahead. Did you mention Yash Simon just now? Uh, okay. He has eight starts in his career. Okay. So, and that was, those were all last year, but yeah. nobody has more than one season of starting experience, except for Bakhtiari and Jenkins, who are both, as we know, on the pup list. Yeah. So let's, all right, let's, have we talked enough about Bakhtiari? Are we ready to, um, I guess maybe just a brief Elton update. Elton is at training camp. Obviously he's on the pup list, but he's been seen, you know, uh, working out, uh, you know, with some trainers and they're, they're putting him through some drills and stuff and seems like they are um, having him, uh, you know, put some weight on that leg, uh, be pushing off with that leg. Um, and not, not that he looks perfect, but that and it'll be interesting to see, just as we finish out the week, um, I mean, you guys are going to be listening to this uh, Friday and later. Uh, go go back and, and look and see if you can find any notes about Elton Jenkins on Friday. Uh, see, you know, if, is he back out there again or um, you know, does he need a recovery day? But it, it looks like his recovery is maybe pretty far along. Not that he's uh, back up to speed. And, and I have maintained all along that – I don't feel great about putting him at, at tackle this year, even if he's able to play, like I'd rather keep him inside, put a little bit less strain on his uh, knees on the interior and put him at a spot where he can um, play and continue to recover at the same time, you know, but especially throwing him out at right tackle where uh, it seems like he has the least experience of any of the five positions. Um, except I don't know, maybe right guard, but, but a right tackle that just seems to be asking a lot in my opinion. And I know that, I know that we look at him and say, well, you know, he's the second best player on this offensive line behind David Bakhtiari. Obviously you want him at right tackle. He's better than any other right tackle options you have. I, I, I just, there's a, a good degree of caution in me that wants to kind of keep him comfortably inside at left guard for this season, let him continue to rehab. And it's just, it's just worth noting with an ACL. Look, yes, Elton is a phenomenal, truly elite player, but with an ACL, it's it's a two year recovery to get all the way back to where you were. It's about a one year recovery to get back on the field, but you're not yourself for another full year after that. And so if we're getting like 60% of Elton Jenkins, I don't really want that at right tackle either stick him at left guard or right guard or center and let him work his way, continue to work his way back a little bit. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I hear you. I don't agree, but I hear you. I, I mean, in my mind, I want, I, I'm figuring Elton Jenkins is not ready for week one. That's sort of my, I, I, he could prove us all wrong, but right now I think it's a safer bet that he won't be ready for week one than that he will be ready. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, he is your second best offensive lineman if everybody is healthy and playing at their best. And but would he I, be playing at his best though? Well, That's- you know what? He'll be playing at, at, at the best level he can play at that time. And his versatility is always one of his strong points. And we know he's he played at practically a Pro Bowl level at left tackle last year. He played at a Pro Bowl level at left guard the year before. If the biggest need that the team has is at right tackle when he's ready to come back, I do not hesitate to plug him in there. To me, the important thing is you take Elton Jenkins and you plug him in where he's needed most to make this team – as good as it can be, and 
to quote Goody and Matt LaFleur to get your best five guys out there. Yeah. I, 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 um, I respect what you're trying to do there and, and maybe it shakes out. Uh, I'm not personally on board with it. I, I think uh, I, I just am too concerned about his long-term recovery um, and just where he's going to be when he can finally get back on the field for the first time. And, and uh, I think we have a pretty hefty pile of guys who can play at right tackle. Let's, let's talk about, we'll, uh, from, from here on out, let's let's not argue anymore about the Elton no. Jenkins thing. Let's let's just talk about the depth behind him because the one thing we agree on is he's not ready to go right now. So pretend he's not on the roster and let's look at the other options we have. It seems to me like uh, all else being equal, if there was a game this Sunday, Yash Nyman would be the starting right tackle. Um, if 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 you feel like you have an option, you can put at left tackle. After that. Seems like Royce Newman and Cole Van Lannon are getting a lot of looks at right tackle. And that's that's been going on back at OTAs. I, I think we were surprised at first about Cole Van Lannon, uh, who did play tackle at Wisconsin. Um, but just a guy that not super on our radar. I think you and I were immediately just thinking like, yeah, they'll give Royce a shot. They'll give Yash a shot. And then let's talk about these rookies. But um, the coaches were have been given Cole Van Lannan a lot of looks there. Yeah. And, and I think part of that has to do with the anticipated second year jump and wanting to see what he can do at that position. And obviously the need is certainly there with both Jenkins and Bakhtiari unavailable. So overall, you know, again, I don't want to read too much into where guys are lining up on the first couple of days of training camp. To me, that's an insight into what the coaching staff wants to see, not necessarily who they think is best suited to fill that position. So Cole Van Lannan getting an opportunity uh, and we'll see what he can do, but it wouldn't surprise me if it lasts, you know, a week, a week and a half. And then if he gets the job done, it lasts longer. If he doesn't get the job done, they'll go on and give someone else some of those reps. So it's it's interesting, but remember what was it a year ago? Ben Braden was getting all the reps at uh, at yeah, tackle. That's true. That's true. So that's true. you know, to me, at this early stage, it's interesting more than it is determinative. Yeah, that's a good observation by you. I would say the guy that is being talked about this year, exactly like Cole Van Lannan is now, was Ben Braden. And right. Maybe this is a maybe it's a situation where they really do believe in Cole. Maybe it's a situation where it's like, look, are you going to hack it here or are we done with you? Like, we're going to give you a lot of opportunities here at right tackle. You need to show something or we're ready to move on and use your roster spot on somebody else. That's totally possible. Cole Van Land has already been cut by the Packers last year got brought back on the practice squad. And then, so, you know, there's no practice squad right now. You just have a 90 man roster. Right. Um, uh, after, uh, so, you know, Elton Jenkins at the top, then Yash Royce. And, and, and I don't know if, I mean, you and I have talked a lot, I think about Royce as a right tackle just personally, but I'm not sure that we've talked about it much on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at a spot where, he feels like a front runner to me at right tackle. And I'm not sure that we have talked about that enough to our listeners. Do you think our, our listeners are thinking about Royce as a, a viable right tackle option, or are they still like, Oh, Royce, you know, didn't love what he did for the first year or first half a year at uh right guard. And during that playoff game, you know, uh, where, where do you think our listeners are at right now? Royce, probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, I, I think, Look, Royce had his struggles. He was a tackle in college. They moved him to guard. He was pressed into service as a starter, won the starting job. It was a lot of competition for that right mm-hmm. guard spot mm-hmm. last year. But yeah, he struggled, especially at uh, stunts and picking up blitzes. And, and, and that's the kind of stuff rookies are going to struggle with. There is an opening at right tackle. And I think that realistically, Royce Newman is as good, has as good a chance to fill that void as anybody. You know, if Bakhtiari was ready, I thought it would be between Newman, Van Lannan, and Yash. 
to see who would who would end up filling in that right tackle spot until Elton Jenkins came back. But again, uh, you know, he may be more comfortable at tackle than he was at guard. That's where he played in college. The question is, can he now, with a year of experience under his belt, handle the faster, bigger, and and just more savvy as far as technique goes, edge rushers that he's going to face at right tackle as compared to what he faced in college. So uh, Goody and LaFleur have talked about Sean Ryan and Zach Tom and how there's uh, kind of a fluid situation there between are these guys going to play at, at guard or at tackle? Going to play them play around at different places. LaFleur was quick to mention that as far as Zach Tom, who it seems like they really like a lot, and I like him too, but as, as far as Zach Tom playing at left tackle or at right tackle or left guard or wherever, that he thinks Zach Tom clearly has all the physical tools that you need to get that job done. He made a comment about um, the thing that could hold Zach Tom back, if anything does hold him back, would be that you need a crazy amount of work ethic in order to make it happen to where you can be uh, playable at any spot across the offensive line and, and uh, you know, pivoted and said, look, uh, you know, the only guy that I've been around who truly can play at an elite level at any position on the offensive line is Elton Jenkins. And, um, you know, kind of implying that, like, look, if you know, best of luck to you if you want to do that. And it would be awesome if you can learn from Elton and from Elton's work ethic, because it's a it's a it's a long road to get to that point. Um, and I, I, I still feel like Zach Tom is best suited on the left side of the offensive line. But that maybe is where there's less opportunity. I think the right side of the offensive line is a lot more in a state of flux. Uh, you know, there's a, a right guard and right tackle spot that are open to be one. And I, I really think at this point, you have to assume Royce Newman is going to win one of those two, either right guard or right tackle. The, the first string offensive line that we saw um, for all of training camp on day one was Yash at left tackle, Royce Newman at right tackle. They're, they're clearly, clearly giving him a look, but I think even if he doesn't win the right tackle job, it makes the most sense for him to hold on to that right guard job. And uh, speaking of right guard, Jake Hansen's getting looks at right guard. Surprised yeah. me a bit. And uh, Pack Daddy made the observation that this feels a lot like Lucas Patrick and, and how things started out with him. Mm-hmm. And he was a center who kind of just hung around for a while. And then we ended up playing him at guard, but he had that center flexibility to where, um, you know, you, you were playing him at guard, but he was really mostly there in case, you know, break glass in case of emergency, we got another center that you can play. And we got, we got a pile of guys at this point who could play center. Uh, Goody, was it Goody or LaFleur? One of those two guys. Um, it was called Goot Floor. Goot Floor said <laughs> that uh, John Runyon and Cole Schneider were two guys that he felt could play snaps at center in a pinch. And Runyon's not a guy that we talk about as having that center flexibility. And no. it sounds like that's an oversight on our part that the uh, that the staff there actually believe that that is something that that could happen. Well, the staff loves versatile offensive linemen. That's who they draft. That's what they cultivate. But if you look at this roster right now, and here are the people who have center listed on the official website. We talked about Ty Clary, Jake Hansen. Don't forget uh, my guy, Michael Manet. Michael Manet, who I was getting to next, Cole Schneider, and then Josh Myers is listed as a center guard. So, yeah, you yeah, know, you've got another guy five guys right there. And then mm-hmm. Zach Tom is just listed as an offensive lineman. So uh, <laughs> that's because they know full well that tackle guard and center are all wide open for him and they have not narrowed it down one bit. Right. Like. But but if you then add uh, Runyon to that group, you've got seven guys mm-hmm. who, who are capable of filling in at center at some point on this 
90 man roster, which is nice because, you know, rewind the clock a few months ago and you and I were bemoaning like, gosh, you got Josh Myers, Jake Hansen and Michael Manet are the only guys who you really feel like have any center flexibility. You know, that was right. before the additions of Zach, Tom, Ty Cleary and Cole Schneider. And it was before we knew that John Runyon was a, a serious consideration there. Um, all right. As, as fun as this has, we're going to run out of time to talk about wide receiver. I think that has to be touched on. So we'll put yeah. a, put a bow on offensive line and say things are looking up. Uh, certainly a lot of concern still about uh, I would say both tackle spots. I, the, the three interior spots, I think they have more than enough options to find a, a really good starting three in the middle there. The tackles still in flux, but I feel better about the tackles right now than I have at any point um, since, gosh, I don't know, before we moved on from Billy Turner, because I, you know, but, uh, but offensive line looking up. Uh, wide receiver also looking up, and it's interesting, really interesting. Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson have not been participating yet in training camp. Both have some injuries. Christian Watson, maybe is going to be out a little bit longer. Um, uh, He had a procedure done on his knee uh, a few weeks ago. So we'll have to see how quickly he can recover from that. The team's not putting a timeline on him. Sammy Watkins, the team says, is going to be available uh, very soon. So we can get him back in camp. Alan Lazard has slimmed up a bit, lost some weight. And Goody made an interesting comment saying that they're really excited to see him in his new role. Now, obviously, I think we have kind of penciled him in as wide receiver one. Makes a lot of sense there. He's looked really good so far in training camp, making some uh, really impressive catches. Uh, Romeo Dobbs is the other guy, though. He's impressed. Blowing people away. He Fun has impressed again two days of training camp, not ready to canonize this guy as the next all pro wide receiver. Why not? But it's encouraging. It's encouraging. <laughs> and look, it, it's a process. He's got to do well at practice, do well in preseason, and then show that he can do it during the regular season. But it's always better to hear positive things coming out of the first couple of days of training camp, then, oh yeah, this guy looks lost. You know, mm-hmm. where Aaron Rodgers is yelling at him after every rep that he gets, right. you know, you want to hear that, that he's doing well. And we all knew he had the physical tools. So that's encouraging. I already was not nervous about the wide receivers, but I'm, I'm feeling a lot better that they are. They seem to be really on the same page with Rodgers and also working their butts off. I, I think that, I mean, I, you saw a bunch of um, beat writers mentioning that like, oh, apparently all these wide receivers are pretty sick of the comments that have been made about them this offseason and are ready to show that they too are NFL players. Alan Lazard looks really crisp. Um, Romeo Dobbs looks really impressive. Uh, a lot of people, um, you know, taking note of the 87 he's wearing and saying, man, I don't know. It seems like another entry in the long line of uh, really good 87s here in green Bay. Um, Jace Sternberger, notwithstanding Uh, Amari Rogers looking kind of crisp as well. Maybe a second year leap Uh, encouraging to see. Um, And then even uh, depth guys, Juwan Winfrey. Yep. On which, Gosh, what day? Wednesday. He was uh, taking reps as like the uh, second boundary receiver opposite. Oh, who was it? Is it Dobbs or Lazard? I forget who. I think it was Lazard and Winfrey were out there. Winfrey, Winfrey's looking pretty good. And and Matt LaFleur did mention he's like, look, I don't read too much into like who's running with, with the ones, who's running with the twos right now. But we do really like Juwan. And he his year last year was sidelined by injury and it was unfortunate. So, you know, just something to keep an eye on. I I think that they have probably a good five guys in that wide receiver room that you feel really good about, whether that includes Sammy Watkins or not. Lazard Watson, when he comes back, um, Rogers, uh, Mario Rogers is starting to look pretty decent. Romeo Dobbs, that's four right there. And then, 
you know, throw either a Randall Cobb or a Juwan Winfrey in there as as the fifth guy. And you're you're really looking at just like you kind of only need like five actual receivers and then a special teamer with wide receivers slapped in front of his name. And that's your roster. So I, I, I think that they maybe have more guys that they like than roster spots. Well, I, I think they do. And I think you'll see at least two on the practice squad in addition to the six, oh, maybe sure. seven that they keep. But, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where I love the potential of this group. I think there, there are a lot of guys who could get the job done, but there aren't a lot of guys who have proven that they can get the job done or have proven that they can still get the job done in the case of a Watkins uh, or uh, a Randall Cobb. So, you know, these guys, some guys need to stay healthy. Some guys need to show that they can get it done. Uh, like Jawan Winfrey, he's great in July and August. Show me what you could do in September, mm-hmm. October, and November. Yes. Yes. Uh, a lot of questions, but a lot of potential. And wasn't it Aaron Rodgers who said, I want to see production over potential? Oh, yeah. The key is to convert that potential into production this season. And the thing that I think fans have to keep in mind, none of these guys have to develop into Devontae Adams in one year. And I'm willing to bet pretty safe money that none of them will. But they do need to develop into a cohesive unit that is functional and can get the job done and keep the sticks moving and keep this offense playing at a high level. They don't need to be all pros. They don't need to catch 120 passes. They don't need to catch 1,000 yards, any one player. But give Aaron Rodgers enough options to keep this offense humming and everything will be fine. At the wide receiver position, this is my last point. And then, um, but my, my last point here, talking about Al Lazard in particular, but also, uh, I'll say Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, uh, maybe Sammy Watkins, but for sure, those first three guys. I, I really want them to be able to stay healthy. I, I, I think I will never be able to get over if, we have a really promising week one or two or three or four for a guy like Alan Lazard and then an injury that takes him out for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I would rather see him play all 17 games and get a conclusive answer that Nope, he can't do it. Um, he is just not the right caliber player. I, I would rather see that. I, I just, I, I is going to absolutely kill me if we never get an answer as to what could have been here. I just, <clears throat> I just, I want that so bad. (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. And, you know, this is such a big opportunity for Lazard. And if if you think about it, it's such a feel-good story. Here's a guy who was undrafted, who the Packers signed, what was it, for the last regular season game in in, uh, 2018, had one catch, earns, you know, the third wide receiver spot, now has moved up to the second wide receiver spot. Oh, now and, he's and, got and, and he missed a, he missed a spot too because it, the 2019 offseason, he didn't make the 53. He got cut right. and put on the practice squad. And then uh, Geronimo Allison, I think, got injured. And he came and, back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And Just here's crazy. his chance to go from, you know, fringe guy to mm-hmm. number one receiver on a team. And, it, you know, he's worked hard you just love watching the development of this guy and his attitude and his work ethic. I would love to see a big season from Alan Lazard. And again, to me, a big season could be 70 catches, 800 yards and 10 touchdowns. That would be a great season in my mind for Alan Lazard. All right. We're going to wrap this up with uh, just rapid fire. I'm going to go through boom, 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 and hit a couple of updates at a few positions. First of all, so Kylan Hill is still out on the pup list. Uh, Patrick Taylor, not looking as crisp as he would have liked to have seen to start training camp. He already had a fumble. Matt LaFleur does not forgive ball security or poor pass protection from his running back. So that is a negative for Patrick Taylor, guy who I thought might be in the driver's seat um, with a chance to win that running back three spot. Yeah, uh, I, w- I would say he's behind the eight ball at this point. Um Mason Crosby expected to be out still for a considerable amount of time. So all eyes are going to be on Gabe Burkich. And I would not be surprised if they bring in a third kicker to at least 
provide some competition for Burkich right now when Mason cannot provide any competition. Uh, and then long snapper Jack Coco, who is a um, combo long snapper tight end, seems to be ahead of Steve Wirtel right now for the long snapper job. We'll keep an eye on that. A position that, you know, most teams don't have to worry about, but here in Green Bay, we do. <laughs> well, it was such a problem area last year, and, and neither Hunter Bradley or Wirtel did a heck of a lot. Uh, cons- it wasn't The consistency just wasn't there. So we'll see how that one goes. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, it, it's early. It's just the first couple of days, but these are your first impressions. And sometimes it's hard to undo those first impressions. Sean Davis right now appears to be in the lead by a mile for the safety three job. Yep. Former fifth round pick by the Colts um, at outside linebacker. Obviously, you know who you're starting two guys are. But that number two unit right now is uh, Tipa and Ladarius Hamilton. A little bit of a surprising thing there. Um, have not heard anything at all so far about Kingsley and Nagbar. Jonathan Garvin was out for a little bit on the pup list. He's back. Hasn't really been worked into the rotation yet. Randy Ramsey is the other guy to keep an eye on. So you got three guys there, Garvin and Nagbar and Ramsey, who I would have thought all three would be ahead of Tipa or Ladarius. That was an incorrect assumption. Really hoping to see something from an Agbar soon, but let's start familiarizing ourselves with Ladarius Hamilton because the coaches like him and it seems like he's not going anywhere right now. So keep an eye on him. The defensive line, TJ Slayton starting over Dean Lowry at the moment, but Dean Lowry um, missed a couple days on the pup list. He's back now. TJ Slayton also getting looks ahead of Jerron Reed. And then the other guy you're not hearing anything about Devontae Wyatt doesn't surprise me a ton. It's more so notable when rookies are getting looks uh, in the way that Christian Watson and Quay Walker are. I'm usually not super surprised when a, a, a rookie is not getting looks right away, even a first round pick. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't bother me. You know, the the mentality among the coaching staff is we want these guys to earn it. We don't want to hand them anything. And I think if you hand them that starting job, they're going to feel like, okay, I got it made. I've done what I needed to do. They'll get complacent. You don't want to see that. So no. no surprise that Wyatt is not, you know, immediately thrust into the starting lineup. We'll see what happens. Uh, but again, more important to me is where Wyatt is in a month from now than where he is on the depth chart right now. The very last position I want to hit is cornerback. Uh, Kbion Ento is not looking good. Um, at, at, he, at, I would say he needs to turn things around, and start playing a little better, or he maybe isn't going to be here like as soon as next week. Really looking bad. Keyshawn Nixon, of course, is on I don't know one of the injury lists. I think that's non-football injury list, right? So uh, Shamar Jean Charles getting a ton of playing time out there, and the only other guys on the uh, roster you got Keandre Thomas. Rico Gafford and uh, the new addition Dante Vaughn that we talked about. But that's all the time we got for today. We'll be right back here next week with a bunch more updates from week two of training camp. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.